We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to the Core here on American Family Radio Network. Glad to be with you on the program today. AFA at the Core, another week of the Core here on American Family Radio. Well, why the name the Core? Well, uh, the name of the show, AFA at the Core, is uh, because we aim to cover and address the issues of the day uh, as it revolves around the core values of American Family Association. American Family Association, otherwise known as AFA, is the parent ministry of American Family Radio. So without American Family Association, there would be no American Family Radio. Without American Family Radio, there would be no core. There would be no the core program here on AFR. What are our core values? Here's the six core values of American Family Association. Evangelism and discipleship, that's the first core value. So we partner or we tie in evangelism and discipleship as our first core value. Marriage and family, that's our second core value. Marriage and family is our second core value. Morality is number three. Sanctity of human life is number four. Stewardship is our fifth core value, and religious liberty is our last, final, and sixth core value here at AFA. So that's the name of the show, AFA at the Core, and we cover the issues of the day pertaining to the core values of American Family Association. Uh, Speaking of core values and our second core value, marriage and family, we had our Marriage Family Life Conference this past weekend, MFL 22. We had a great turnout We had over 11,000 attendees here in Tupelo, Mississippi, and we hope to encourage them in a biblical worldview. We brought in families, the entire family unit, mom, dad, children, all to the conference. Grandparents as well were were there. Uh, So excellent time at our annual conference, Marriage Family Life Conference. That conference will be available in video format in the coming months on our streaming platform, streaming.afa.net. Last year's conference, the 2021 conference, is available now on our streaming platform, streaming.afa.net. But as soon as the 2022 conference is available in the coming months, we'll be sure to make that announcement here on the show and across the network so that our listeners can uh, go there and uh, and watch uh, some of the highlights of the 2022 conference. Well, um, speaking of uh, the streaming platform, our live feature is really coming along pretty well. We're looking this week to uh, finalize that and train uh, some of our team members on the live streaming option this week. So uh, I think it's safe to say we're weeks away from launching that. I know I've been talking about it for several months, but um, we are near the finish line on that project. So stay tuned for that, and that will equip our audience to watch the core live on our own streaming platform with a free account there instead of having to go to these third-party platforms oftentimes that end up censoring or canceling uh, the show on those platforms jumping into our scripture of the week 
We're still in the book of Psalms. We're in Psalm chapter 30 this week. Psalm chapter 30, I want to uh, turn our attention to verse 11. You know, we've heard in recent weeks and months all the trials that David has gone through. Um, All the trials that David has gone through. Psalm uh, chapter 30, verse 11, David says, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. So David says, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. And so that's what uh, God does for us. He turns our mourning, and mourning in this case is M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. So he turns our sadness and our and our trials into dancing, and he does so through the power of his Holy Spirit. And that's what God does, does in our lives uh, when he brings us out of darkness into light uh, by the saving power of Jesus Christ. So that's what uh, the power of the gospel does. It brings us out of our sadness. It brings, about, brings us out of our mourning and uh, into the light and the joy of Jesus Christ. So uh, David says that God brought him out of his mourning and into dancing. Psalm chapter 30, verse 11 is what we highlighted today. Uh, moving into some of our stories, you know, this... Um, Illinois shooter in Highland Parks, um, many many people have moved on from that story, but I want to go back to it and talk about it a little bit. Uh, there's There was a lot of red flags. You know, they talk about red flag laws. <laughs> well, Illinois got them. Illinois got them, and they clearly didn't work here. Uh, but Illinois has these red flag laws where law enforcement can confiscate uh, weapons of individuals, based on evidence that they may harm themselves or harm others. And uh, this Illinois shooter, he actually had uh, knives, about over a dozen knives and machetes confiscated a couple of years ago at his home uh, because he threatened to kill everyone. Yes, this shooter had a past with law enforcement, very disturbed individual. But the most, uh, the most disturbing part of it all is how much his parents knew. How many? How much details his own parents knew, and they still weren't able to stop this uh, this terrorist attack on on uh, on individuals and families celebrating July Fourth in Highland Park. And you know uh, what this is often not being called by the media and by law enforcement is a terrorist attack. Some are calling it it, but not all. This needs to be universally universally labeled as a terrorist attack. It happened on July Fourth. At a parade celebrating Independence Day. I mean, if anything is a terrorist attack, this is it, folks. This is it. Um, this is a terrorist attack and uh, should be labeled as such. Well, let's listen to clip one, folks. This is a this is a press conference of um, the uh, chief law enforcement officer for this community, or at least the PR uh, officer, the one who does all the press conferences. And this is him talking about the background of the shooter and the red flags that were about uh, in recent years with this uh, shooter in Highland Parks. Clip one, let's listen. April of 2019, an individual contacted Highland Park Police Department a week after learning of Mr. Cremo attempting suicide. This was a delayed report, so Highland Park still responded to the residents a week later, spoke with Cremo, spoke with Cremo's parents, and The matter was being handled by uh, mental health professionals at that time. There was no law enforcement action to be taken 
it was a mental health issue handled by those professionals. The second occurred in September of 2019. A family member reported that Cremo said he was going to kill everyone and Cremo had a collection of knives. The police responded to his residence. The police removed 16 knives, a dagger, and a sword from Cremo's home. At that time, there was no probable cause to arrest. There were arrests. There were no complaints that were signed by any of the victims. The Highland Park Police Department, however, did immediately notify the Illinois State Police of the incident. Shifting gears a little bit, talking about the investigation itself. The community has been absolutely terrific. All right, so that's that's the um, Highland Park Police Department spokesperson outlining the disturbing past of this uh, this shooter. But, you know, t- to be fair, to be fair and to be honest, it, laws and law enforcement officers, they can't prevent every tragedy from happening, and we shouldn't expect them to do so. We also should, also should not have this, this false expectation that if we pass more laws, all of a sudden that's going to solve the world's problems. Clearly, we have thousands, tens of thousands of laws on the books, many of them devoted towards protecting human life, and uh, and we still have tragedies like this. So let's don't think that more laws is going to automatically solve these problems. Let's also don't think that more law enforcement or individuals or government workers devoted to this issue is also going to solve uh, the problem because look what we have here. Not only do we have multiple red flags from this shooter, from this killer, we have multiple red flags, all right? It's safe to say uh, many people knew this fellow was disturbed, if not dozens of people knew this fellow was disturbed, but his own parents didn't. I'm not going to say they didn't know because I don't know that, but let's just say what we know for certain. His own parents weren't able to stop him from committing mass murder. And so if his dad and his mom, we know for sure his dad was presiding under the same roof. We're not sure about the mom. That's still unclear. Was she under the the roof? Was she living in the same household? Were they separated? I don't know. But we know for certain the dad was was around because he helped um, the shooter in um the years prior, fill out firearm ownership applications applications with the state of Illinois. And so so the dad, uh, Bob Cremo, age 58, he knew that police had been called to the home twice earlier in 2019 because his son had threatened to kill himself and the rest of his family. That's according to this Fox News story. And so how much did the dad know? And these are investigative items that the public deserves to know. How much did the dad know? Because if if the dad knew that his son was unstable, to put it mildly, then why did the dad not do more? I mean, why would the dad fill out a and be a sponsor on the firearm ownership application with the state of Illinois, knowing that his son was loose in the head? And so all of this needs to be investigated. By the way, the shooting over in Texas, what, a month ago? It seems like a year ago. It was a month ago, maybe a little longer. 
Uh, how did that shooter at the school, Rob Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, how did that shooter get the weapons? We still don't know that. We still don't know. We, we know that he was of legal purchasing age, but we don't know where he got somewhere between five to 10,000 bucks to buy the weapons. He had thousands of dollars in firearms and ammunition. I don't know about you, but most 18, 19-year-olds don't just walk around with 10000 bucks in their pocket. All right? I mean, most 18-year-olds don't even have a checking account nowadays. They should, but they don't. They're still munching off a of mom and dad. And so how did the Uvalde shooter get five to 10000 bucks, maybe even more, to purchase these very expensive semi-automatic rifles and ammunition and other accessories? We still don't know that yet. Law enforcement hasn't told us yet. But that's a that's a basic investigative item that takes law enforcement, I don't know, a couple hours to figure out with their advanced investigative tactics. I mean, they can figure this stuff out in minutes if they utilize their resources appropriately. They, they know where you and I are. They can ping our phones in a matter of minutes. I mean, finding out where he got the money, the Uvalde shooter, is not a complicated task. So we need to know, how, how are these folks getting the money and the resources uh, to arm up like they're in the military uh, fighting a war overseas? Where are they getting the money and the resources uh, to get all these advanced weapons and uh, ammunition? Uh, so that's, that's uh, but, but the, the, the shooter in Illinois had, had a very disturbing past. And uh, my point in all of this is that even the dad wasn't able to stop the son. And so was the dad out of touch with his son or was he around and just didn't care? We don't know. The investigation hopefully will tell that. But if if a father who's interacting with his 21-year-old son, at least on a weekly basis, if not on a daily basis, can't stop the son from committing mass murder then how do we expect more laws and law enforcement officers who are even 10 times more detached from the father compared to the father and the son and law enforcement and the son? We can't can't have that expectation. That's a false expectation. Gun control is a false expectation of control and damage control that will never work and will only lead to more government control. The dad should have stopped this and he didn't. AFA at the core, be back in a few. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures? My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. These words were shared between Cleopas and his companion on the seven mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus as Jesus, in resurrected form, used the Hebrew scriptures to reveal himself to them as the Messiah. There are at least 109 distinct biblical prophecies the Messiah had to fulfill. The mathematical probability of such a feat occurring is astoundingly absurd, yet that absurdity is satisfied in Jesus, the Messiah. Come, let us adore him. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner. For more, from Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. As we approach the summer months, the media will start its annual campaign on how to get a beach body. Girls will soon be inundated with magical skinny teas and supplements, new it diets, and plenty of body shaming. Be her first line of defense against these harmful messages. Studies show that the way a girl perceives how her mom feels about her body is the first predisposition of body shame. The anxiety, self-hatred, and destruction that comes from body shaming is not the relationship that God calls us to have with our bodies. Instead, we should strive for healthy nourishment. After all, we are each His creation, fearfully and wonderfully made. So ditch the harmful body shaming and instead embark on a quest toward full circle health, balance in body, mind, and spirit. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. Did you know you can't sink if you swim in the Dead Sea? You can't sink. You can't uh, drown. And we're going to go to the Dead Sea, and we're going to take a swim, and you can find out if what I'm saying is true or not. That's coming up in March 2023 on our annual trip to Israel. That's right. We're going to the Holy Land in March of 2023. Now, if you want the dates, the cost, the itinerary, everything about the tour, all you need to do is go to TWHolyLand.com. TWHolyLand.com. Everything is there. And if you want to join us, we're already getting a lot of people sign up to go because there's such a pent-up demand to go to Israel because it was closed down basically for two years because of COVID. Well, you can go now and you don't have to have a vaccine shot, okay? TWHolyLand.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core. Uh, I misspoke at the beginning of last segment. I said we had 11,000 folks come to Tupelo, Mississippi to our American Life Conference. We actually had 1,100. All right, we had 1,100. So I got a little bit carried away there. (laughs) Tenfold is what I got carried away. So Bobby caught me there miss miss uh, speaking and so we had 1100 uh what's that Bobby I would have had to take today off <laughs> Yeah yeah you would have had to had to clip that It's that. a lot of 8 and 9 year olds That's right Oh yeah true Yeah Bobby Bobby helped us helped us at the conference he worked the uh youth apologetic track so uh we were all up a uh, um, couple days working long days and so yeah if we had 11000 Bobby that's a good point we would have to take the whole week off here at the core <laughs> yeah, Marty yeah. was helping out with the six-year-old, so we all pitched in. Hey, that shows you it's a team effort. You come to the Marriage Family Life Conference next year, you're going to get to see Bobby, Marty, and myself, and Richard was over there working the yeah, six-year-old amen. track yeah. as well. So uh, reason number 745 why you should come to the Marriage Family Life Conference <laughs> next year is because you get to see us. <laughs> uh, so that was a good conference. We had about 1,100 people there, many families, grandparents, youngsters, It was a great time of discipleship and equipping the church to be the church. Uh, Moving into some of the other stories I want to get to. By the way, uh, raising the question about where these shooters get the money to buy these guns, you know, that's not some conspiracy theory. Uh, That's not insinuating that someone gave them the money. The, the, The point is that we don't know. All right? The point is that we don't know, and we need to know. All right? Could... Did the Uvalde shooter, did the Highland Park shooter, 
did they just, you know, uh, uh, stock away a, a bunch of money for a couple months to buy the guns? Maybe it's possible, but we just don't know that. And, and we need to know, I mean, that's a basic investigative finding, um, path is, you know, where does the criminal get the resources to commit the, the crime? That's a basic, you know, track that law enforcement takes when they investigate crimes. Where does the criminal get the resources to commit the crime? And can that be intercepted somewhere uh, to prevent crimes in the future? Uh, so where do the shooters get the money to buy all the guns and ammo? Uh, very good question that law enforcement should be able to answer by now on both of these investigations, both Uvalde and Highland Parks. Uh, so we'll continue to keep an eye out for that. And I love how I love how the, the left-wing media, they, uh, they go out and do these fact checks, but they themselves don't know the answer. It's it's hilarious. Listen to this. This is I just looked up a few minutes ago just to make sure I'm right that nobody knows how the Uvalde shooter got the guns. They'll tell you like, yeah, here's where he bought it, but they won't say where he socked away the money to buy the guns. All right, was he putting like like a hundred bucks pay, per paycheck in a little savings account for it, or did somebody transfer the funds to his account? Who knows? Did he steal the money? We don't know. Uh, but Reuters. They put out these fact checks, but but they don't know the answer to the fact check. And it's absolutely hilarious. So uh, here, here's a fact check headline. Listen to this. Uh, Reuters, fact check. Contrary to social media post, there is no evidence Uvalde Shooter was part of a setup or conspiracy and he had a job until shortly before uh, the shooting. So it goes down this list of this uh, speculation about uh, did someone help the shooter buy the guns, with, with help him with the money. And so they go through the, uh, you know, the the theory or the speculation out there. And then listen to their verdict. Uh, The verdict equals no evidence. Contrary to online videos, there is no evidence that Uvalde Shooter is part of a setup or conspiracy. He had been employed until about two weeks before the rampage and allegedly expressed intent to save money to buy weapons to to a co-worker. Um, So, okay. But you still didn't answer the question, did someone help him buy the weapons? And Reuters doesn't know, and neither do I. But law enforcement should be able to release that information pretty quickly, you know. Uh, did the did he use his debit card to buy the guns? Did somebody else go in with him to buy the guns? We don't know. Reuters doesn't know, and I don't know. Uh, but Reuters is able to say that it's not true. The fact check is not true. <laughs> But when you ask Reuters, well, what is true? Crickets, crickets, crickets. Sounds like all the 2020 election stuff. And um, speaking of the 2020 election stuff, I've got this story. Um, Everything that's called a conspiracy theory ends up turning out to be true. At least that's how things have been going in the past. Um, This is from the Associated Press. Uh, listen Listen to this headline. Y'all are going to laugh when you hear this. Cyber agency. This is an AP headline. Cyber agency. Voting software vulnerable in some states. Reading the headline here. Electronic voting machines from a leading vendor used in at least 16 states have software vulnerabilities that leave them susceptible to hacking. If unaddressed, the nation's leading cybersecurity agency. This is Biden's administration, by the way says in an advisory sent to state election officials. The U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, otherwise known as CISA, or CISA, said that no evidence 
Uh, I'm sorry, that there is no evidence the flaws in the Dominion Voting Systems equipment have been exploited, that we know of, to alter election results. The advisory is based on testing by a prominent computer scientist and expert witness in a long-running lawsuit that is unrelated to false allegations. <laughs> Once again, they label things false, but they don't know whether they're true or not. Glorious. Of a stolen election pushed by former President Donald Trump. Reading straight from the AP headline. I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> Uh, so the government says the the government cyber agency says that the voting machines that are on the internet are susceptible to being hacked and tampered with. Uh, but if President Trump's legal team, if they say the same thing, well, they're sued. They're sued into oblivion for billions and billions of dollars worth of damages. But the government can say it. Uh, but the, but the lawyers with the Trump legal team, they're not allowed to say it. How dare them float those conspiracy theories? Well, um, let's see. The, the, uh, the left is very violent. Their rhetoric is dangerous, and we've known this for a long time now. Uh, they, accuse, they accuse conservatives of an insurrection and domestic terrorism, but they're the folks that lead the charge, lead the way in domestic terrorism, and, uh, and violence, and you look at all these dozens of pro-life pregnancy centers around the country that have been firebombed, vandalized, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that's all being done by left-wing radicals. That's all being done by Democrats. Well, President Obama, I think I played a clip. If not, I at least cover the story. President Obama told us a little while ago, a couple of weeks ago, that you know the, re the rhetoric was toxic in America, and we got to cool it off a little bit. Uh, Lori Light Lightfoot actually uh, said the same thing just uh, last week. She was doing a press conference. She said the rhetoric is too toxic in this country. We got to cool it down. We need more uni unity. That's a summary, basically, of what she said. Well, <laughs> let's listen to this. This is part of Lori Lightfoot at a July fourth. Um, well, it, this is a montage, right? So you have one clip that that where Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, is talking about how our nation needs unity. And we've got to cool off the rhetoric. And then the latter part is a montage or a clip from her at a rally, a, a speech after the Roe v. Wade case, where she says, expletive Clarence Thomas. I'll let you fill in the blank. It starts with F. Expletive Clarence Thomas, who's a Supreme Court justice. Let's listen to this clip, too. The toxicity in our public discourse is a thing that I think we should all be concerned about. Right? And it's ironic, obviously, that we're having this conversation and what happened on Independence Day. You know, we're not like a lot of other countries where the independence, their version of Independence Day is marked with, you know, tr uh, troops and tanks. And no, what we do in the United States is we come together as a community. If you read Clarence Thomas' concurrence, he said, thank you, Clarence Thomas. Well, okay, so which one is it? Do we need to cool down the rhetoric in America? Do we need more unity, le less uh, toxic rhetoric in America? <laughs> or do we need to say blank Clarence Thomas? Which one is it, Lori Lightfoot? Because you just did both there in a matter of a week. <laughs> this isn't a clip from like go back, flashback to 2010, and then now we're in 2022. no. That was like a week apart, if that. It may have been days. It was it was about a week apart, if not less, uh, where she goes from, you know, we need less toxic rhetoric to blank Clarence Thomas. 
um, on on a stage in public at a at a uh, uh, at a anti life rally, if you want to call it that. Um, absolutely unbelievable. You know, if we did that, we would be roundly rebuked by everybody, including our allies. Um, if I went on a stage and said blank a Supreme Court justice, then I would probably be charged with insurrection. And I would be investigated by the FBI, and then we would have hearings about it for at least two years. <laughs> but when uh, the mayor of one of America's largest cities does it, well, it's no, no problem here. Nothing to see. Keep going. Nothing to see here. And we wonder who's vile, who's mean, who is uh, violent. Well, it's the other side. They're the ones that are mean, violent, vile, and have no boundaries when it comes to discourse. <laughs> Speaking of no boundaries when it comes to discourse... This is another clip, and this is this this evidence is just piling up of Democrats being vile, mean, no boundaries, no morals. Um, there 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 is no uh, line in the sand, if you will, when it comes to their rhetoric, their policies. They're radicals. They're humanists. It's whatever I say on this given day, and uh, even so much that they'll even admit that they're all about killing. Babies, let's listen. You got to listen closely. There's a lot of background noise, but this is a pro-abortion, pro-baby-killing protester in recent weeks shouting and admitting in front of everyone on camera that she wants to kill babies. Clip three. We love killing babies. This is this is biblically dark stuff. She'd be so proud to be my daughter, I would think. What a what a, <laughs> I uh, know. I label the uh the clip as UG. <laughs> yeah. To you say know, the least. You know, I want to play that again, Bobby. I want people to tune in. The last about five seconds there is where her voice really amps up. Listen to these words, folks, so you believe it, and then we'll we'll post a link to this clip on a, on our podcast page as well, so you can go listen for yourself. But listen, listen to, for these words. We love to kill babies. Clip two. I mean, I'm sorry. Clip three. Let's listen again. We love killing babies. That's a quote from a Democrat voter at a protest. Quote, we love killing babies. Well, this is the truth. And we've been, uh, pro-lifers have been telling folks for decades that this is about killing babies. And now the people who love killing babies are now openly admitting it. All right. They're openly admitting uh, that we love killing babies. That was also, there's also another story, and maybe I'll pull this up for tomorrow. Um, but you have multiple cases where now these Democratic operatives are just telling, um, telling the politicians and the talking snake media, that's what folks used to call it, that they're, they're telling them to go ahead and admit that this is a baby. Go ahead and admit that this is a baby, and let's, they, they, they say that that's a hurdle in this argument for abortion. They're saying, stop trying to talk about a fetus. 
and a lump of cells, just go ahead and admit that this is a baby and then move past it very quickly uh, to move on to the argument in favor of abortion. So now they are admitting, as we've been telling you for years, that uh, this is a baby in the womb. And uh, here's a quote from a Democrat activist, quote, we love killing babies, end quote. So there, there's the truth. They love killing babies. This is a spiritual, a very demonic uh, movement uh, aimed at killing babies. Um, someone else who has very vile rhetoric against pregnancy centers, and we wonder why pregnancy centers are being attacked. Folks, this is not random. This is not you know, organic from the grassroots level in each community. This is a coordinated assault, both physical and rhetorically, against Christian pregnancy centers, all right? And, and the reason I can say that is because I want you to listen to Senator Elizabeth Warren here. This is her spewing hatred towards Christian pregnancy centers. Clip four, let's listen. Senator Warren also taking aim at pregnancy crisis centers. Here in Massachusetts, these so-called uh, crisis pregnancy centers outnumber genuine abortion clinics by three to one. She says women walk into the centers believing they'll get abortions. Instead, they try to talk women out of it. She calls it a bait and switch. They are giving it over to people who wish them harm. And that has to stop. We need to put a stop to that in Massachusetts right now. All right, so that's Senator Elizabeth Warren. In the context of talking about crisis pregnancy centers and and women who visit these pregnancy centers and choose life instead of death, uh, she says that has to stop. That has to stop. We need to put a stop to that in Massachusetts right now, she says. And this coincides with... Um, piece of legislation that Senator Warren is co-sponsoring called the Stop Anti-Abortion Disinformation Act. The bill directs the Federal Trade Commission to go after pro-life facilities by creating rules that prohibit disinformation about abortion services, live action reported, or live action explained. So they want to target the pro-life pregnancy centers. We saw this in uh, California, by the way. Remember in California, there was a lawsuit. California State was forcing pro-life pregnancy centers to post the address of the nearest abortion clinic. That's private nonprofit organization were being forced to post things that go against their beliefs. That was in California. Thankfully, that got struck down. We'll continue this topic after the break. You're listening to AFA at the core. Stay tuned. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. So they asked me to enter my email address, and the next thing I know, I start getting emails from companies I never even knew existed. What's up with that? Here at the American Family Association, you have our word that we won't give away, sell, or lease your email address to any other organization or company. We're thankful when you take the time to subscribe to AFA Action Alerts 
One Million Moms, Engage Magazine, or any of our other online newsletters. If you haven't switched to MediShare yet, two big reasons to at least consider it and why it makes so much sense right now. Number one's inflation, which is just affecting everything. And it makes sense to say, okay, where can I actually save? Well, you could save a lot in one fell swoop if you switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month. Secondly, your conscience. MediShare members aren't forced to pay for things they don't support or believe in. And that's a big deal for a lot of people right now. They want their money to actually help people. And one more reason, you can trust MediShare. It's been the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works and members love it too. It has double the customer satisfaction rating compared to health insurance. So now's a great time to consider making the switch and they're very easy to talk to. MediShare has great customer service. You can even get a price within two minutes. Here's the number. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. A Moment of Truth with Gary Bryden. A well-known talk show host in the past used to ask every guest who is a pastor or devout Christian the following. If a Jewish person dies without trusting Jesus Christ as Savior, will he or she go to heaven? That's the wrong question. The right question should be, if anyone refuses to accept the Jewish Messiah as Savior, will he or she go to heaven? The Jewish Messiah answered that question as follows. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me, John 14, 6. And with, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, John 3, 16. The Association of Independent Methodists, like-minded congregations doing together what can't be done separately. Visit aim2020.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core. Glad to have you with us today on the program. The um, Just an update, uh, an update that... <clears throat> The Biden administration or CNN, they're sure not going to bring you because they would have to run uh, an apology tour. But we're going to do it to exonerate these uh, law enforcement officers. Well, a couple months ago, back in September, a long time ago, wow, things fly. Time flies. This goes back to September of 2021, um, about 10 months ago. Uh, there was video out, pictures and video out of Customs and Border Patrol agents on horseback that were uh, attempting to deter illegal immigrants from crossing the Rio Grande River, and uh, they were they had their the reins that go with the horse to control the horse, um, and so you know there was different clips of the video that people alleged showed, and these are people <laughs> who have no experience with horses, not that I do, but I have enough to know that when you're holding the reins, you're not using it to whip people walking by you. <laughs> but uh, people, you know, went on social media, and this is another reason why social media can be used for deceptive purposes often. 
Uh, but they claimed that these Border Patrol agents were whipping illegal immigrants. All right, that was the claim. Uh, it was a claim so much that um, that the White House spoke out. Many people in the administration spoke out. And listen to this. Listen, let's go back. Um, uh, and I'm going to read what Jen Psaki, White House Press Secretary, circle back Psaki said. <laughs> um, she called... This is reading from a NBC News article. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, remember this is 10 months ago. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki on Monday called images of a U.S. Border Patrol agent on horseback chasing Haitian migrants, quote-unquote, horrific, but declined to say what consequences there should be for his actions. Saki was asked repeatedly to comment on photos of border agents on horseback using what appears to be whips on Haitian migrants and whether it was appropriate behavior. Saki responds, I have seen some of the footage. I don't have the full context. That's where it should stop. <laughs> but Saki feels like she has to go on and comment. I can't imagine what context would make that appropriate, she says, but I don't have additional details. She told reporters at the Daily White House briefing, she goes on to say, I don't think anyone seeing that footage would think it's acceptable or appropriate. And she goes on to call uh, the imagery horrific. Well, uh, Customs and Border Patrol launched an investigation. And um, I would almost bet you that they held off on releasing these investigative findings for months this is 10 months, all right? 10 months to release investigative findings on an incident that involved like two or three officers on a very isolated time frame in September of 2021. You can't tell me with the resources of the federal government that it takes them 10 months to figure out whether the officer was whipping illegal immigrants or whether he was steering his horse. Nonetheless, they finally released information, and here's the report. The Department of Homeland Security's Office of Professional Responsibility found no evidence that Border Patrol agents involved in this incident struck anyone with their reins intentionally or otherwise. CBP Commissioner Chris Magnus said at a press conference, and what she also said, the agents weren't even carrying whips. They didn't even have whips in their possession. Unbelievable. But um, let's listen to what Biden said also back in the fall of 2021. Here's what the, here's what the president said without evidence without the facts, before an investigation had taken place. Here's what the president said about his own law enforcement officers trying to protect the homeland. Here's what he said about the illegal immigrants. Quote, to see people treated like they did, horses barely running over, people being strapped, it's outrageous, Biden told reporters. Making a whip motion with his hand, he goes on to say, I promise you, those people will pay. There will be an investigation underway now, and there will be consequences. There will be consequences, he says, end quote. And now, 
crickets. There's crickets. <laughs> now there's crickets. There will be consequences. Consequences over what? Well, we're still investigating that. Talk about speaking too soon. So here's my question. Where's the apology? Seriously, where's the apology? Jen Psaki's moved on. I think she's on NBC or MSNBC or one of the other left-wing networks now. So where's the apology on national television from Jen Psaki, Joe Biden, and the rest of the radical crew? Because here's what's right, all right? Here's what's acceptable. What's acceptable and what's right is that you don't speak to things that you don't know all the facts about. And you especially don't accuse our own federal law enforcement agents of whipping criminals when you don't know if they actually did that. And if you accuse federal law enforcement of something of which they did not do in any manner, shape, form, or fashion, and your own federal investigation proves that, yet you've slandered them on national television, you should apologize. That's what's right. That's what's good. That's what's noble. And the Democrats are always trying to talk about morality and what's right and what's good for America, and what brings unity, well, now's the time for them to lead in their rhetoric. And Jen Psaki, Joe Biden, and the rest of them, everybody that slandered, smeared, falsely accused the Customs and Border Patrol agent, now is the perfect time to go back on national television and apologize to the border agents. Now's the time to do that. And so we'll uh, continue to monitor the airwaves to hear when Jen Psaki and Joe Biden apologize to the Border Patrol agents. They have been exonerated. No such incident occurred. And all the left-wing media outlets that ran the footage over and over again, um, they themselves should apologize as well. Well, there's this story out of New York that we really need to keep an eye on. This uh, has to do with self-defense. It has to do with the sanctity of human life and the right for all individuals created in the image of God to rightly defend their body against physical threats, against death. All right? It's a basic principle of self-defense. Uh, this happened in New York City. This was a New York City worker. Let me just set up the context here. Uh, this New York City uh, convenience store or deli shop worker, he was working. It looks appears to be night shift. He's working in this convenience store behind the counter, running, the, manning the cash register. All right. It's uh, his name is. Uh, he's sixty-one years old, and his name is Jose Alba. He's actually a legal immigrant, by the way. Uh, earning a living in New York City, working uh, behind a deli counter. So this uh, young lady walks in, tries to purchase a bag of chips, and her 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 debit card. Uh, one of the media outlets described it as a 
like an EBT or a electronic benefits card, uh, when she was swiping it to pay for the bag of chips, it wasn't working. All right. The card was not working. So she couldn't properly pay for uh, the bag of chips. And why the card wasn't working, that's beside the point. It wasn't working. Was it the internet? Did she have not have enough money on the card? Nobody knows at this point. But she couldn't properly pay for the bag of chips. All right. And so the 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 young lady out in front of the counter, and then the worker Jose Alba that I just uh, uh, set up, they start basically bickering at each other. All right. They start arguing with each other. He says, "Let's try it another time. Let's try to swipe the card another time." She says, there's money on there, talking about money on the card. And then uh, the the worker grabs the bag of chips, all right, because she hasn't paid for it. He grabs a bag of chips, sets it on the counter. And so they, they, they continue arguing. Well, the, uh, the, the, the lady that's trying to purchase the bag of chips, she then threatens to bring her boyfriend in, her boyfriend in the store that's sitting out in the car, bring her boyfriend in the store to handle the situation. So you see how this is escalating, all right? Uh, the, the convenience store worker responds and says, it's not my fault that your card's not working. Um, and uh, then the boyfriend barges in and goes behind the counter and begins assaulting and physically attacking the convenience store worker. And so they get in a scuffle, a physical scuffle, and the 61-year-old grabs a knife off of the counter of the convenience store and stabs the, uh, the, uh, the person assaulting him to death right there uh, on camera. This camera's out. The camera footage is out there. Classical self-defense situation. Well, what does the New York City District Attorney do? Charges the person that was defending his life uh, charges him with uh, second-degree murder. Absolutely unbelievable. Charges the one, the, the victim with second-degree murder. Let's listen to a Los Angeles deputy district attorney on Fox News talking about how this case of a New York City convenience store worker is classical uh, or is a classic self-defense situation. Clip five, let's listen. You know, Jose Alba was just defending himself and it's a classic example of self-defense. You know, in the United States of America, we have self-defense. And in New York, you know, I took the bar there in 2006 and I passed it. And I was born in New York. And, you know, Jose Alba was outnumbered. It was two individuals who were attacking him. And one of them was armed with a knife and they stabbed him. He was smaller than the aggressor and he's older than the aggressor. So it's classic self-defense. So this is a Los Angeles deputy, deputy district attorney saying that, this is a classical, uh, a classic self-defense scenario. By the way, the the career, the the criminal that assaulted the convenience store worker, guess what? He was out on parole. What was he out on parole for? Not a speeding ticket. He was out on parole for assaulting a police officer. And so, so let let me get this right. In these left-wing, Democrat-run, failing cities, they let the criminals, the violent criminals, get out of jail, all right? And then the violent criminals go and commit violent acts against 
fellow citizens, and then we charge the fellow citizens who are assaulted, beaten, and killed on on many occasions. We charge them with a crime. You, you, you read in Scripture where it says right will be called wrong and wrong will be called right. Well, in New York City, folks, that is where they are. Who would want to live there? Who would want to live there? And people say, and they're all about gun control. Well, New York City's got one of the toughest gun control laws. Guess what happens? Guess what happens? The criminal who was out uh, uh, on parole for assaulting an officer, the criminal goes to the convenience store and was going to brutally beat this dude to death, the convenience store worker. Well, he defended himself with a knife, not a gun. He should have had a gun, but he can't have a gun in New York City. We can't have a gun. Who needs a gun? That's what they say. Who needs a gun? Nobody needs a gun. Well, yeah, you do. If if a 25-year-old is brutally beating up a 61-year-old. Who needs the gun there? The 61-year-old. The victim needs the gun to defend his life. These people are so out of touch. They think we're all playing a video game. We're all playing a video game. Nothing's real. Nobody ever gets hurt. No, people are getting hurt. People are getting killed in these deep blue cities, in these deep blue states. Why are they getting killed? Because they don't have a firearm, they don't have a weapon to defend themselves. Why don't they have a weapon to defend themselves? Because the Democrats thought it was a great idea that if all the good people hand over their guns to the government and all the criminals, all the thugs, well, they've got the guns, they got the knives, they got the gangs, they got the weapons. They think that's a great idea. That's a great scenario. Disarm the bad guy, arm the good guy. That's going to work out great for our society. Now, this convenience store worker is having to hire expensive lawyers to defend his life. AFA at the core will continue to track it. See you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.